feel like you're yelling at me right now. I don't feel like that's a good look for your podcast. <laughs> I'm going to edit this part out, obviously. <laughs> Anything where I am not beautiful. See? I'm literally hovering over this microphone. Okay. Why are you getting upset? Okay, I'm not upset. I'm just reminding you harshly <laughs> to get your shit together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Megan. I'm a mother of two with my training in lower elementary ages six to nine years old. I am not here with Rachel or Laura today because I am being joined by a very special guest. The most special. My friend, my baby daddy, my husband, Jacob. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> we are at a table and just staring at each other in the eyes and it's a little intimate. I'm not going to lie. Megan set the desk up for us to be within six inches of each other's face <laughs> with, me, with, with me hovering over the microphone. It's a great setup. Thank you, honey. Yeah. So why? <laughs> You've literally yeah, never, never called you that. Never. I can't call you brother Stop. apparently either. You, I can't talk over me. I just talked about this. You've never called me honey. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not going to make it through this. So normally we would talk about our week and catch up on our lives, but nobody knows you or cares about you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and all of your... Why are you telling me now to give a biography? Like, why just am I just now hearing about this? <laughs> just tell me about your Montessori credentials. Okay, Montessori credential, zero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next question. And about your life. Like, Ooh. what time were you born? I was um, born early in the 90s. I am an early 90s baby. Yeah. I was born after my wife, also known as the cradle robber. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why are you having such a good time? <laughs> uh, I grew up and really I felt like I hit manhood when I first met my wife <laughs> in the seventh grade. Let me let me talk about my life a little bit. Okay. Seventh grade. I meet this beautiful seventh grade. Was it sixth grade? What are we officially going with now? I think we, I mean, we knew each other in the sixth grade, but we like knew each other knew each better other. in the we seventh grade. Friends. And then we took the big step of dating in high school. Yeah. After being best friends for a while. And, you know, now we are here two babies later. And that's my life. Yeah. That was really good. Thanks. You really set me up for success. I appreciate I, that. I didn't think that that it would be like hard for you. Just tell me about yourself. Mm, that's pretty tough. There's a lot to say about myself. So 
That's all you have to say is when you met me, that's when your whole life began and ended. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I like it. All right. So, so we put out some questions on Instagram about possible topics for the podcast. And a lot of people wrote in saying that they would like to hear more about how our partners feel about Montessori or how we navigate having partners who may not be as invested in the Montessori method as we are. So I thought it would be interesting to have you on and discuss the Montessori method from your perspective. So can you tell us a little bit about how and when you found Montessori and kind of what your first impression of it was? Yes. So originally, first off, my wife asked me very long questions. She expects me to understand everything that she's saying when she puts it down. So first off, I just want to say everyone was able to follow that. (laughs) Everyone was able to follow it, not just staring in your eyes the entire time. And people are a lot smarter than me. So there's also that. So for all of you wives out there that have husbands dumber than you, you're not alone. Megan's in the same boat as you guys. Mm -hmm. What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to only ask the first part first? When did you find Montessori? Yes. Let's go one part questions. That's how my brain bucket works. So you need to put the drops in the bucket one at a time. How I found Montessori off the bat. I honestly did not ever know about Montessori until you moved out to North Carolina. When you moved out to North Carolina is like when you found the job. It was interesting for me to kind of just like hear about off the bat. And I'll be honest, I was fairly skeptical. And I was like, there's no way these kids just want to learn on their own. Like they're in preschool. They just want to like go and run around. So uh, yeah, first impressions. Skeptical. Skeptical at best. And that was the first time you'd ever heard about it was when I came home saying, oh my gosh, there's this school and it's amazing. And then I never shut up about it after that ever again. Literally ever again. (laughs) But uh, I remember you actually coming home from the school and saying that your prior boss had mentioned it to you at one point, saying that you would be a very, like, very good in the Montessori realm. Uh, And I remember that always stuck with me because you've had really strong mentors up until this point. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting that people outside of the Montessori realm thought that you would be good within Montessori. Yeah. Uh, And then when you actually did find Montessori, it actually was a good fit. So I I always thought that was just kind of like premonition or. Yeah. I worked at a camp where it was apparently modeled after more specifically Waldorf, but with some sprinkles of Montessori philosophy. And I didn't know until after I left and my boss and mentor there at the time was like, oh yeah, we modeled our camp after that when I finally found Montessori and decided to dedicate my career to it. And so, yeah, it just was meant to be. I think so. Yeah. So are you ready for... Part two to the seven part question. Yes. No, you answered both of them. Oh, did I? Yeah. That's good. You're smarter than you think you are. Mm, Let's not get too crazy now. (laughs) Okay. So one of the questions that was asked, do you know much about the why behind Montessori or do you just follow and mirror your wife's approach being me? I am your wife. So I know what you've taught me. I have not done any like extracurricular reading. I know some of the why behind it, like values and some of the big key pieces to it, but I haven't done a ton of research myself. No. Well, 
Well, I do think it's worth being said that you aren't just like a regular partner whose wife ran into Montessori. Like I am a bit extreme and know a lot about it and have dedicated my life to it. So you probably know more than the average person that doesn't do their own research because I, like I said, never shut up. So it's like you do some secondhand research through me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that just is a talking point to our marriage more than anything. I don't necessarily think that it's research when you're just talking to your wife at the end of the night and just kind of learning about their lives more than anything. Yeah. Because I guess to start from the beginning, you were learning about my career. You weren't really learning about parenting because I started in this world before we had kids. So you were learning about all this stuff before we were applying it to our children. And I feel like this question specifically, because there was a second part to it, asking if they felt like they should be asking their partner to do more research. And that's different from our situation because we weren't in the parenting world. So I feel like there could be some kind of, I don't know, like tension when you're trying to teach someone else how to be a parent. When we had talked about this way before we had kids and we had time to get on the same page way before that happened. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you find Montessori much later or even after your baby's born. And then you have to like prove yourself to your partner who is probably parenting in the way that they were parented. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't imagine really like being a year or two into this and then like having to change lifestyles. I don't think that it's really like Montessori doesn't need to be extreme. Like, yes, you are kind of an extremist when it comes to this stuff, but there's like bits and pieces of just values within Montessori, like free thinking and structure within Montessori that I think are really valuable that I think transcend Montessori. So a lot of the things that I pull from Montessori are just more value-based, more than like what I would consider like Montessori-based. And to that point, I don't know how I would really react if you asked me to do research on top of something when this is more like if you were the one that was being a fanatic or you were the one that were kind of going down a specific route, it's going to take me more time. It's going to be a little bit harder for me to go down that route without it being of my own choice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I am glad that we found it when we did. And I, I do think that we would have gone down the same route had we found this later. It just might have taken me a little bit more time because I am typically the more skeptical one of the two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I bring stuff to you all the time where I'm like, I read this thing or I think we should do this random thing in our house or stop eating this or we <laughs> we should buy salt rock lamps and put them all over our house because I listen to a couple of podcasts. <laughs> Yeah. So that's me. And I feel like you usually meet me with skepticism. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely balance each other out. But it's not that I want to shut you down. It's just that you tend to have some like crazier ideas <laughs> and I tend to be skeptical off the bat. Like how I wanted to change all the light bulbs in our house. Like how you still want to change all of our light I bulbs. I do want to change all the light bulbs in our house. I don't feel like it's that big of an ask. Anyway. <laughs> So yeah, I do understand it could be difficult from a different perspective, but I do think it's worth sharing that we have that similar dynamic. And I think everyone does. If you come to someone with this idea and they're not bought in 100%, it can be difficult to be on the same page, especially if it actually kind of contradicts what you're doing. So yeah, I'm glad that we haven't necessarily had to deal with that. I'm sure that's not helpful to people listening, but 
that's that's just kind of the truth about where where we are with I also, that. I also just want to hit on the point of like, I trust you. I trust you with our children at the end of the day. You're home with them way more than I am. You have to deal with all of the things. And so typically, if I'm skeptical, it's not because I don't trust you. It's because I just purely don't understand and things that I don't understand, I tend to stiff arm off the bat until I accept it sort of thing. Yeah. So when did you feel like you were on board before the kids were here? Oh, yeah. And did you have any skepticism going into that? Has watching them kind of grow up this way, we're in year three now of parenting. Have you seen things that have like solidified your trust in this process? Or have you found yourself being a little bit skeptical along the way? I don't really know a different way at this point. And I know we were talking about this before we got on the microphone, but I don't have anything else to compare it to. Like I have other parents that I've looked up to over time, but like this is the only way that we've ever lived. So I would have a hard time comparing it outside and saying, this is where I've been skeptical. I've just been skeptical at times, but like... I feel like you notice though, when we go to other people's houses or we hang out with other families, you do notice that we do things a little bit differently. Yeah, our kids are crazy. <laughs> so far, you've called me crazy and our kids crazy. Yes. So, in only the most loving way, we're going to get some hate mail. Okay. How do you feel when your kids engage in risky but safe play? I love it. Like, I think that it's super fun to watch. We were at the park this morning and there was a couple of moms off in the corner that were watching our child just like wander around and they were very skeptical. They were super concerned. (laughs) Very skeptical of, of the way that we were going about our parenting. But I want to give my kids space, not so much space that they like just wander off into the road, but within safety parameters i want to allow my child to like explore freely explore and be a little adventure and and learn on their own like i don't need to be picking up their left pinky and dragging them everywhere yeah, they were so. really concerned that we weren't like hovering over them they're like where's your mother yeah <laughs> When I think that giving left and right limits to be able to do their own thing is is really important. Like I grew up an only child, so I didn't really have anybody to follow or do any of those things. So I was a fairly independent child, not because I wanted to be, but because it was necessity. So like I really value the free thinking, independent, adventuring just on your own and like figuring yeah. things out. Well, that's how that confidence is built, right? If we don't allow them to climb that thing or even maybe fall, like it's okay to fall. Absolutely. It's okay to scrape your knee. It's okay to fail. And that's where that confidence comes from is to be able to get up and try again and know that I can do hard things and I can hurt myself and I can get back up again and I can dust myself off and I can continue trying. And so some of that grit and that just hard work comes from the ability to be able to fail and gain confidence from those failures. Absolutely. Okay. What is the hardest thing you've had to learn in, I asked what this question was referring to, if it was Montessori or just parenthood, but what's the hardest thing you've had to learn and how have you navigated that? So the hardest thing for me to learn being that I'm pretty driven and pretty stubborn at times, the hardest thing for me to learn as a person was grace. And that's something that I know you guys talk about on this podcast because I listen to this podcast 
just as much as any other avid listener. Yep, here I am, number one fan (laughs) calling in. Um, It's been a difficult journey over the last two-ish years, two plus years of not going to bed with the house completely tidy every night or not having the shelves put together perfectly when they go to bed or... Uh, not having their little eating stations be completely clean every time that they like get down. So that's been a learning curve for me. And it probably sounds pretty small and finite to some, but that's not my personality at all. Like I'm the type of person to make sure the house is completely tidy before the end of the night. I'm the type of person to make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So that's been something that's been pretty difficult for me. And honestly, just gratifying also to know that we have a happy household and our babies are well taken care of. They may have a little bit of a mess around them at times, but um, that has been a really big lesson learned for me that's honestly been able to translate outside of the house as well. So I'm super grateful for that, even as hard as it's been. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the biggest points of contention in our house and our marriage. And like you said, it may seem small, but it's really hard because it's so important for you for everything to be put away, for everything to be clean and to be tidy. And it actually really affects your mood and your like mental health for things to be where they're supposed to be. And and not just clean, but functional. It's really hard for you if you can't move through the home or even through our life without things being done and usable. And so while it's really really nice for me because things are always working and where they need to be for me to find them. But it's been difficult for us because I feel like I have to be with the kids constantly. And then you come home and then you want to like go outside and mow the lawn or like do things around the house. And so something we've had to learn is some kind of balance of you being okay with things maybe not being perfect. And also me allowing you to do like, that's kind of your form of self-care. And I also have to let go a little bit to be like, okay, if this is going to make you more present when it's done, then I need to like, let you do that to an extent. And I still complain about it. I think I complained about it yesterday. So I'm not perfect. (laughs) Yeah, there's absolutely a balance to all of that. And it's a constant give and take with all of it. And it's a constant communication thing between both of us uh, that we obviously have not perfected. But it it is a, a struggle for both of us. Yeah to want this balance of like we want a beautiful space we want to have a livable space to be in but not always having the time energy or income to really take care of everything yeah so that's your difficult part in parenting being being a human slash father in that Mm -hmm. situation my Montessori stuff that's been really hard for me to learn and really buy into has been very much buys into the same messy lifestyle. But two things that I've really picked up from you in particular, I don't know if these are necessarily Montessori specific, but two things that I thought of when we talked about this question were redirecting and then getting down on baby's level. Mm-hmm. Are those both Montessori things? Sure. Well, if they are or not, I feel like sure isn't really like a, <laughs> it's not a 100% yes, they are sort of thing. Um, but it has been the difficult thing for me to navigate in that like I just want to tell babies what to do and then they do them or like have them stop when I ask them to nicely stop sort of mm-hmm. thing. That has 
not again, like growing up in the household that I grew up in, I, I wasn't around a lot of that stuff. So I didn't really get to see children being redirected or people getting down on level. And I thought those two things were just like brilliant and kind of like mind blowing to me. That like even just getting down on a baby's like eye level really changes their attitude towards how they're doing things Yeah, or asking them not just to stop, but to come and help you with like a small chore that you're doing, yeah. like chopping up the apples or giving them a purpose yeah. versus taking away yeah, what you're doing, telling them to like, just drop what they're doing mm-hmm. and stop doing it because it's your choice to, and giving them. them no other alternative. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought those two things were really big and like things that I'm consistently doing. Cause I do find myself just being like, put that down. Don't do that anymore. And instead of saying like, okay, let's go and grab a snack or snack a, as baby would say. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I just thought those two things are two things that I still need to continue to work on that haven't exactly been easy for me to just kind of implement on every little thing that we have to come up with. How do you feel like, are you able to shrug it off when you feel like maybe you didn't do it the way that you wanted to? Like, no. are you able to just kind of be like, oh, okay, well next time, or does it kind of, Oh, it wears on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time with it. I had a particularly difficult day. What was it the last time that you went to a conference? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still haven't really shook that one. That one was like, that one was kind of, I don't know, babies were just losing their minds. Both the babies ended up just having a really hard time. And one of the babies was having a particularly harder time while I was putting the other one down. The other one down. And it was just kind of still shakes me a little bit. I would just say that you had a moment that you feel like you reacted in a way that you wouldn't have done if you would have put more thought into it. And it wasn't the way that you wanted to approach that situation with patience, but it happens. And so like, but those things wear on you. You're saying like, you don't, you're not able to maybe just shrug them off. There are those like hard moments that maybe aren't really that hard when you look back on things, but they wear on you. And so that was one of those moments of you being gone, me being the only parent and me thinking to myself, like Megan does this every single day and you're having a hard time after her being gone for two nights, like you can suck it up, but then feeling really flustered and having a really hard time. It was pretty hard. It was hard, not only just like for my physical presence in that moment, but also like spiritually hard for me, if that makes sense, Um, to not be able to just provide for both of your babies in that moment was really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I just ask because I feel like we're talking about what's difficult about it. And I feel like something that happens a lot is people want to implement this in their lives as like a philosophy, but then they fail as we all do. I fail every single day and then have a hard time recovering from that and just feel like they're failing their children. And so I just was wondering if you feel similarly, because that would definitely be a struggle. It's hard to do something different than maybe you, how you were parented and then also be beating yourself up about it. That's difficult. Yeah. I can only imagine what somebody like my dad went through in raising me being an only parent. I feel extremely lucky for having you around to be able to balance me out. Cause that was just one night yeah. that I had a hard time with. I can only imagine if it was back to back nights or like multiple failures along the way after a while, I would just want to sit the babies down in front of finding Nemo and just like 
<laughs> have at it because Go I can't cry in the corner. I, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. Shout out to all the single parents out there. You are the, the true heroes, the real all stars. Yeah. So what do you honestly think about the prepared environment? And I feel like this is a kind of continuation of you talking about your need for things to be tidy because this has been kind of a seamless one for you. I really liked your guys' episode on the prepared environment, but I particularly like our prepared environment. Again, my wife here will reiterate, I'm always skeptical when it comes to like buying new shelves or why do we need that? Like our pickler triangle. You're like, why do we need that monstrosity? Still don't understand it. But... <laughs> um, so I am a pretty big believer in the prepared environment, but that also goes back to our earlier conversation. Like I'm pretty OCD, but I'm also a dad and I'm also pretty tired. So I, again, get pretty over it after a while. And so the shelves look better some days than they do others. Everything always ends up back on the shelf, Yeah, but maybe not the way that I set them up. And I would like to take this moment to publicly shame you for the way that you put everything back on the shelf. I don't understand. I'm not a Montessori teacher. Oh. So. <laughs> You have a very specific way of putting that stuff back, which I have not been taught, nor do I want to I be I was going to say, no, we no, can no. sit down and have a lesson. I will lesson. talk over you in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need a lesson. We could have I'm a not, lesson. I'm I can, not we a could... first through third grader. My wife, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, talks to me like I'm five all the time. <laughs> and so I don't need a lesson from her. I need <laughs> to put things back on the shelf and then she can fix it when she wakes oh up in the my morning. Oh, God. Not to say it's supposed to be prepared. So before they wake up, you don't care. No, I care. (laughs) I care when I'm like not super tired. Okay. So maybe when we've slept like for a couple of years and have like made up for all this not sleeping we've been doing. I think your mom said the fifth grade is when you finally start to sleep better. Okay. So in the fifth grade for our youngest child, we will have a lesson for them. Yes. For you. No. Okay. Well. I'm the best Montessori podcast <laughs> guest ever. Uh, so quote that I have, people are powerfully driven by a desire for order. And so what I feel like a prepared environment really gives you is that like sense of order that you have in your life. Like if baby wakes up and she sees the shelves set up, which she doesn't, <laughs> the shelves set up the same way every single day, I feel like that's that gives her a sense of like, Things are normal. Yeah. That normalcy provides a little bit of order and then she can go about her day without feeling like things are already flustered. It's very much like our discussion that we were having earlier. And so that quote, I actually looked it up because I was like, I don't know where I actually grabbed that quote from. It's in a New York Times article now, but I know that I didn't read that New York Times article. And I think it was from the book that I read at one point, but I try and grab these sort of quotes that I can kind of grab values from. And that's one that I thought really played well into my sense of belonging to fatherhood and like what I feel like I bring to the family more than anything. So that prepared environment, it doesn't just mean shelves to me. It means sweeping up the floor at the end of the night or making sure the bed is made by the time that I leave the house sort of thing. So I don't know. I thought that that quote fit pretty yeah. Well, in that moment, it's not just for kids. We all need order. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that Montessori is so universal is that this idea of having an orderly area that is useful and purposeful and that we can use to its maximum potential 
is something that we all need and something that we all need to thrive is not just kids and education, but as humans to be our best self. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like if you took the Montessori out of the values and put another label on it, it could just be something that transcends Montessori, something that's bigger, but we've kind of just given it this Montessori label in my mind. Yeah. Interesting. So our next question was, what Montessori thing did you think was crazy or dumb, but actually was a game changer? So one of my <laughs> light bulb moments when it came to Montessori was when I first observed one of your classes. You uh, did observe my class and they exactly thought right. that you were my dad. I mean, in some ways, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. Okay, just keep keep continue. Um, anyways. <laughs> So one of my light bulb moments was when I sat in your classroom and observed and everything was kind of ethereal when we talked about like kids want to learn on their own and they will drive their own work schedule and like they will take breaks as they need it and they'll go from there. And that's not the way that I was raised by any means. Both of us grew up in the public education system. Both of us like learned a very specific way and I did fairly well for myself. So I thought, you know, why change what's working? And then I got to actually observe that class and it went from ethereal to actually like seeing it done and seeing these kids driving their own work schedule and like wanting to get things done and not just to get gold stars on their papers or like anything weird. It was just like the kids wanted to get the work done because they wanted to get the work done because they knew it had to be done. And I thought that was really interesting the way that it's structured and the way that it's incentivized. So I thought that was one of my bigger moments that I was like, kind of seems a little bit out there to, okay, like that, that actually does work to actually see a kid want to do that. Yeah. I would say if you have a partner who's maybe not on board or if you're not on board, my biggest suggestion is to just go and observe a classroom. Most Montessori schools are very open to that because that is one of the pillars of Montessori's observation. And so they're usually pretty great and accepting of visitors. And I feel like just witnessing it in action is the way to decide if it's for you. And again, if you can't go see a classroom in real life, if there are none around you, you can always look them up on YouTube and watch a work cycle. And it's a really, really beautiful thing to watch. And I've never seen someone watch a Montessori classroom in action and not go, wow, that's really special. So instead of maybe asking them to read a book or to read an article, sometimes it's better to just be able to see it in person as a whole kind of overarching belief in the method because then you can be on board about the littler things. So that would be my advice. Yeah, absolutely. Or you could listen to this really cool podcast called Montessori Moms in the Wild. I hear that one of the hosts is like, just really cool. Beautiful. She's beautiful. You should look at her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I thought all of the materials were cool that you would bring home, but it didn't really set in for me until I actually got to see the kids working. Yeah. And seeing them do it. So I, I wouldn't even suggest a, a YouTube video because I feel like it's very... You've seen in person. Yeah. I, I really feel like you have to feel kind of the energy inside of it. That's true. And and kind of live it for a second before you're truly bought in. Yeah. 
That's an interesting thought. I feel like one of the, the, this wasn't a question, but when we discussed the topic to bring you on, someone was talking about why they might want this kind of episode. And they were talking about how it can be difficult to see your partner interacting with your child in a different way than you're learning about. So say that you listen to this podcast and then you go home and then your partner is doing something that you now believe maybe isn't the best way and then might feel the need to correct them. And that can be a point of contention. So how do you feel like that is in our relationship in our marriage and our parenting as we parent these children together if maybe I know how to handle a certain situation, or I know of a way that I'd like to handle a certain situation, and you handle it differently, how does that interaction go? Do I usually correct you? If I do, how is that received? And how would you want that message relayed to you by me? Yeah, absolutely. Five part question. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. I. <laughs> I do it all the time and I feel like you should keep up. No, I just, maybe I should be better at this. Maybe I should not be a podcast host because I, you should, you should dice these questions up. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> You're like shoving an entire tomato down my throat instead of like, Eat it. yeah, I don't think that you've ever embarrassed me in front of the kids. Like, I'll just outright say that one. I think that we've done a really good job in our marriage of really presenting a unified front with the way that we like go about things, mostly because I'm completely comfortable playing second fiddle to you in your momhood because I trust everything that you're putting down. But if I do need corrections, you talk to me like I'm the five-year-old for the most part. <laughs> How? Is- How do I talk to you? So I see what you did there. and. That was really great, but uh, maybe this is like when you start to put your hands on my back, and this is when I start to feel like, oh, <laughs> and then you. That was really great. Yeah. <laughs> and so that leads to the actual correct presentation of what I had just done wrong. Sweetly, just basically tapping me on that little tush and saying like, <laughs> but now go on your way sort of thing. So outside of just being corrected, which is never easy for anybody, I never feel like you're rude or mean about it. You're truly just trying to like come to a more palatable presentation for both of us. Do you have an example of a time that I asked you to do something differently than maybe you initially wanted to do it? I can't think of a specific instance right now, though. Yeah, I feel like there had been some times where our daughter was crying and my Mm -hmm. go-to is usually to let her feel her feelings, cry as long as she would like. And then if she's having a hard time, maybe doing some redirection because our daughter specifically, she has a tough time sometimes getting out of those feelings. She kind of tends to spiral a little bit. So then doing some redirection and... I feel like when that first, when those tantrums first started happening, you had a hard time letting her feel those feelings. And that was kind of a moment that we had to talk 
about that of me saying like, this is what I'd like to do. This is how I'd like to handle it. And this is why. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like my advice to anybody who is trying to parent in this way and maybe their partner is kind of on board, but they're not going to do the research. They're not going to read the book. They're not going to listen to the podcast. They're not going to do any of that stuff. And you don't want to correct them. Maybe a good thing would be to talk to them beforehand, before anything happens and say, okay, I'm doing all of this work. If I see you do something differently, how would you like me to approach that? Would you like me to wait and us talk about it later? Would you like me to present you with some resources? Would you like me to just kind of correct you in the moment? Be like, hey, maybe try it this way. How would that be best received for you? And then when it happens, it doesn't feel like you are being corrected or like it's not demoralizing. It's just like, oh, this is what we had discussed and this is how we're going to handle it. Like finding out how personally it would work for you. Do you feel like that's bad advice? No, I don't think it's bad advice, but that's also why you're the expert on this and not me because I would have never thought to say anything that smart. I also, just to kind of hop back to that, like when baby cries, I still have a hard time not just going straight into redirecting. Like I don't want her. I'm okay with crying. I'm okay with emotions and I'm not trying to just let emotions spiral though. And I think that we have a different tolerance for what spiraling really means in that situation. Yeah, that's true. Like the amount of time that we feel comfortable letting her cry is different. Absolutely. And so we may not be 100% on the same page with that, but we both have our own prerogatives. And I think that's okay also. Yeah. And I think for me, as the person who's pretty like devout in this method and this philosophy, is that I also have to take a backseat sometimes to realize that like I'm not right all the time. And there is something to be said about like heritage. Like there's all this talk about cycle breaking and stuff, but also there's this passing down of your family heritage and your family culture, that is a beautiful thing. And maybe it doesn't fully align with the Montessori philosophy, but it's valuable. And I feel like for me, I also have to kind of let go of this perfect idea of what I want it to look like and allow some of those other things to filter through that also have a lot of value. So maybe you're not doing it the way that my Montessori album would say to do it, but Maybe this is a way that brings value to our family. I agree. Through the passing down of culture from my parents to my children or from your dad's dad to your dad to you to our son. Like that's important too. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said. I don't think that to your cycle breaking to the future culture to progressive, like all of those like labels that we have now. I think that there's a balance. And I think something that we've always talked about is just finding what that balance is. And we haven't always 100% been on the same page with what balance means, but it's just what we're comfortable with. And I'm comfortable letting the babies watch an hour of TV. I'm comfortable with letting them wander at the park. And like that might not be everybody's cup of tea at the end of the day. It may not fit in any one specific method, but it works for us. Yeah. I feel like my friend, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hello, Chris. Hi, Hi Chris. Um, they do something really interesting where she will send him an article or something that she finds interesting and sends it to him and just is like, what do you think? Then they talk about it. And so I think maybe instead of focusing on those little moments, kind of getting on board 
or at least getting the other person's perspective. You know, maybe they have a valuable thing to bring to the table, or maybe they just hadn't thought of it that much. And getting on the same page on your parenting philosophy in general versus like, we don't say good job, you know, because maybe if you're on the same page philosophically, then maybe the saying good job to your child isn't that big of a deal because you're on the same page for just your approach in general. And I feel like that's where we're at is that we, our values are aligned. And if we kind of veer off that path, it's okay because we can always go back to what those values are, which, you know, for us are independence, respect order and can you think of anything else no i really liked respect i don't think we brought up respect at all during this so yeah i mean that's a huge part like when you were asking me about getting down on their level and redirection like is that montessori that's part of the respect of the child like we respect them and so we speak to them like we'd speak to anybody we look in their eye we get down on their level And instead of just shutting down what they're doing, we offer them options and choices because we respect them. Like it always falls into these really kind of generalized values that lie within the philosophy. Agreed. I feel like we should write down what our values are at some point. Whoa. Like a mission statement for our family? Weird. Is that weird? No, but I I don't don't think it's like something that people actually do. But we should do it. For sure. We can frame it. Let's not do that. (laughs) All right. Do you, were there any other things that you wanted to add before we go watch some TV? I have one question for you. I wrote three questions. Yeah. I already, I told you that I had questions. I know, but I didn't think you were actually going to. Oh, I'm going to ask. You can edit it if you want. You have full editing power, so it's fine. Uh, You talk about mind tricking me a lot (laughs) when it comes to our marriage. (laughs) What exactly does that mean? Yeah. And have you mind tricked me when it comes to Montessori? I don't use the term mind tricked. I use the term brainwashed. You use mind trick. Um, no, I brainwash you. I wrote it down specifically right up. Yeah, and you also mind. have admitted that you don't remember anything I say. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I do brainwash you, but I just think it's because I'm so influential. You are an influencer. Like I'm just an influencer in my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to give away my secrets yeah. or my powers. Yeah. So yes, I do brainwash you and mind trick you and influence you How with we... my womanly powers. Yeah, absolutely. So you would say the preponderance of your audience is female, correct? Yes. Why wouldn't you want to just read them in on your mind tricking slash brainwashing? I will do that on a different episode a where different... you're not here. Ooh, but I still listen. I'm a devout listener as I speak of... <laughs> previously so why wouldn't you just tell us now (laughs) no i feel like i mean in all seriousness like i know we're joking but in all seriousness i feel like there is a lot of respect in our marriage and i feel like if i feel strongly about something based on the research that i've done and the experiences that i've had that you will respect that and usually want to get on board because we trust each other. Like if you were to come to me and be like, Hey, I've learned this thing. It's going to make our lives better. It's going to make our experience better. And here's X, Y, and Z of why it's been proven to work. I think we should do it. Like I'm going to be on board. So let's do it. So yes, I say that I brainwash you, but I really feel like we just loop each other in to the things we're excited about. Yeah. So it's not necessarily brainwashing. You're just a really good communicator. Yeah. 
Yeah. I will say. As I'm just a really good communicator. Well, that, that's something that I did want to hit on. So thank you. Uh, thank you for coming to my podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, this is Montessori Papa's in the Wild. Mm-hmm. It does pay dividends as a mother and father to like communicate as much as we have been able to communicate and doesn't mean quantity, but just quality that you've been able to instill in us. I think that's been kind of the biggest game changer for us. So I just wanted to say thank you for that also. You're welcome. Uh, And I mean, it's not for lack of effort. Like, of course, there are days that like we just hang out with the kids and then we turn on the TV and then we go to bed and we say like four words to each other or, you know, you travel a lot and you're gone and we don't have the opportunity to talk at all for days at a time. Um, and then when we do just talk to the kids, you FaceTime and then you have to go and then we don't talk again. So like you said, it's not a ton of quantity and we've made sure that we are in marriage counseling and that we take the time really to like communicate with each other in a quality way. And so like, it really is an effort on both ends. It's not just like, we're good at this. Cause I joke, like I'm amazing at communicating. No, I just, I feel like it's important. So we try. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me that question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's lighten things up with a segment called, Oh my gosh, I forgot (laughs) all about this. With a segment called confessions from the wild. Listen, don't freak out. Don't freak out. No, no, no. no. I was feeling like we could just do a general married confession oh let's talk about beating boots no we're not going to talk about that i feel like we could give a confession about our lives about like us being weirdos is there anything that comes to mind or something comes to mind for me you go first okay it's embarrassing and i don't know that i want to keep this part or no just like for you well, we could talk about, I'll, how about I confess something? I'm trying to think of something for me. No, I'm going to confess something about you and you can confess something about oh, me. Oh, that's not nice. It is. Okay. So here's my confession yeah. about Jacob. So Jacob has a wonky nostril. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if they can, they're going to be able to hear it on this podcast. It whistles. Yeah. You can't really hear it. I can hear it. Yeah. So it's like the soundtrack to my life. I really don't hear it most of the time. But when we lay down to go to sleep, I can hear it. And it's one of his nostrils whistles. Are you okay? (laughs) Do you need to go to the doctor? Have you gotten it checked out before? No. (laughs) Okay. So my confession is that like sometimes it's hard to sleep and (laughs) And not like normally, but when I'm mad at you and you just sit there with your whistly nose, I just want to put a pillow over it and just suffocate you to death. Oh my God. (laughs) This took a left turn. I feel like... So that's my confession about Jacob. Is that a confession though? Or is that just like a, Jacob doesn't know what a seahorse looks like. (laughs) What are we doing over here? If you haven't listened to that episode, he's so salty about it. Like ever since you listened to that episode, you've been upset or at least have whined about the fact that I told our millions of listeners that you didn't know what a seahorse looked like. What episode was that? Plug that. I don't know. You should go listen to all of our episodes until you find it. (laughs) I have a confession. Mm -hmm. My wife, if I tell her that I'm going to be home between four and five (laughs) o'clock... Calls me on the dot of 3.59 every single day to figure out if I'm on my way home yet. 
if it's not 359, then it is four o'clock. <laughs> the latest 401 before she, no, she calls on me. Friday. Was it Friday that I called you? Yes. I called you at 403. I can look at the call. And log so, right now. No, look at it. Cause I remember I was like, where the hell are you? I gave you three extra minutes. 404. It was at 404. You called me. So, so the latest 404. So was I right or was I wrong? You were also wrong because you said 403 and it was 404. <laughs> so my confession is that my oh wife my gosh. was so desperate for me to come home from work on a normal day that she calls me at 359 to 404. Were you home? You was, said you were going to be home at 4. I was four. on my way home at 404. But were you home? No. I said between four and five. So my confession is that my husband is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am not a liar. Do you want to do the yeah, conclusion? Yep. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms. You can't, you, I if can't you enjoyed mumble. this episode, just start again because I interrupted you. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, and rate. We are available on Spotify, and now you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Montessori Moms in the Wild, or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. Wow. Boom, bro. <laughs> How did you? All right, let me do it again. Okay. You don't have to do it no, again. No, let me do it again. No, I feel like you yeah, did. Yeah, no, let me do it again. <laughs> <laughs>